0: Hey, love you, man. Um, can we throw up just the Victor Life Church background? I'm actually not going to teach on Little Foxes tonight. I forgot to tell you that. <laughs> Sorry, guys. We'll pick back up another day. Or we might be done with that one. I just don't know yet. Um, let's pray, and then we're going to get started here. Father, we love you. We thank you that you, by means of your Holy Spirit, have shed abroad your love in our hearts. That we might learn, by the Holy Spirit, who is the great teacher, how to love you more. You grow in your image and your likeness. Thank you for peace, ruling and reigning in our hearts and our minds. Thank you that you would make us to be a people that are held together by the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. And Lord, as we enter into a new year, I thank you, Lord, that we would look to you in all things and grow in our discernment in regards to your will and your plan for our lives. And I pray, God, that you would lead us into a place of perfect rest in the finished work of the cross. I pray, God, that from that place of rest, we would learn to engage in the work that really matters. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. And everybody said, amen. Amen. I want to talk to you tonight about God's plan or God's will for your life. This is something that gets a lot of of attention. And uh, I think particularly this subject can get heightened when we enter into a new year. We're trying to discern. We're trying to pray for our eyes and our ears to be open, to be able to understand, to see, God, what are you doing in my life this year? And what are you wanting me to lay down? What are you wanting me to pick up? God, we want your will to be done in our families. We want your will to be done in our businesses. And Father, we're just ready to be instructed in regards to what you want us to do this year. Anybody pray anything like that at the beginning of a year? That's good. It's good to pray like that at the beginning of the year. It's even better if you pray like that every day. <laughs> but it's good to pray like that at the beginning of a year. And I think it's really easy for us to start engaging in this kind of conversation with God, especially at the beginning of a new season, Especially at a time that we feel like there's a blank slate laid out before us with this two thousand and nineteen isn 't it crazy? it's two thousand and nineteen I remember as a I got it right right this is two thousand and nineteen okay i 'm bad with numbers, so I just want to make sure I remember as a kid man i man, if you would have asked me in like you know sixth grade, I would have told you Jesus has already come back by now twenty nineteen you know this was this thing just seems to really be carrying on. you know what i 'm saying, but two thousand and nineteen and I mean, I just was thinking today and I really have just had a lot stirring in my heart and got to spend a week away with my family during Christmas and that rarely happens and we had a great time and I think I had just some time to reflect. I was like sick for two of those days. And that's always the worst when you're sick during Christmas. But uh, I beat it in two days. Praise God! It only took me two days. I know it only took Pastor Dwayne like two hours, but give me some credit. I'm just getting started. Okay, so I'm still young. So it took me two days to get to get through it. And uh, man, I just had I just had a lot of quiet reflection in my heart with the Lord. And I started uh, kind of going back over. And you can make fun of me about this if you want to. I'm a part of the millennial generation. I'm not going to pretend like I'm not. So. If you've got a problem with millennials, let me prove to you that they're not all bad, okay? So here's the thing that, uh, that I want to tell you is I was kind of just going back through some of my Facebook posts because I really endeavor to utilize social media as a ministry platform. And I believe that it has the potential to be a legitimate one. Uh, I don't believe that it's inherently evil, and I don't believe that if you use it, your soul will get sucked out of you. I believe that if you use it without wisdom, your soul can get sucked out of you, and it can become something not good. but I really endeavor to use mine to help people, and it really helps me get out things that i 'm thinking and and praying about and there 's just something about writing it down that helps me and i 've just learned uh, i 've learned that you know if something really ministers to me it 's a good chance it 's going to minister to somebody else, so I like to share little things and as I was going through my Facebook for this past year, I was looking. There was a couple of posts. Uh, Austin's back there laughing at me. He's thinking you're trying to spiritualize your Facebook usage. I know what he's doing back there. Austin's more holy than me because he doesn't. Well, I put it this way: he has a Facebook, but he doesn't use it. So I'm going to give honor what honors do. Austin, you're more holy than me about the Facebook. So anyway, I got. I haven't. I haven't got to see you. I haven't got to pick on you. I know I probably shouldn't do it from the stage. That's bad. But I did get to see you today. Um, But I was going back through some of my posts, and there's this thing that I wrote that I thought, man, that's really good. Have you ever thought that about something that you did? If you've never thought that about anything that you did, you need to get delivered. Because it's okay to do something good and say, you know what, that was really good. If you have a problem with that, you you need to get delivered. There's something wrong with you, but we can help you. It's just if you think everything you do is good, that then you need to be delivered from something else, all right? But I wrote this phrase, and it just stuck with me. And I thought, you know what? I think this is what I'm going to talk about tonight. And I want to say a big hello to everybody watching on Facebook Live. We are going Facebook Live tonight, because I know some people are going to have a tough time getting around with the the weather. So why don't everybody give a big hand clap for everybody on Facebook Live tonight. (laughs) We love you. I know Charlene's probably watching. Charlene, I love you. I just had to tell you that before I got started, so... If you're not watching, you're going to be in trouble when you watch this later. You're going to feel bad. I'm just kidding. Uh, But I know for sure she was going to be watching tonight. So Uh, I wrote this. It's good. Wait till you hear it. My life group's already heard it. So you guys act surprised when I say this. God's plan or will for our lives has more to do with us coming into a state of being than articles of doing that isn't to say that the doings aren't important, but with the incorrect state of being, the doings are of no importance at all. And the scripture that he laid on my heart in connection with that, and that's what I'm going to talk about tonight in regards to the question that we ask, God, what is your will? What is your plan for my life? If you're anything like me, and I'm sorry if you are, but if you are anything like me, you know that when you think about God's will, you immediately go to tasks that God wants you to accomplish or mountains that he wants you to take or assignments that he's called you to or initiatives that he wants you to start. And I think if we're not careful, we can use our Western ideology and the trap of American performance and drive and ambition and just how addicted we all are to being busy if we're really honest about it. And we can try to superimpose those thought processes and those, and those paradigms on God's will or plan for our lives. And what you got to know and you got to understand is that God's will or plan for our life isn't this mystery that he's hiding from us. And this isn't this thing that he doesn't want to talk to us about. In fact, if more Christians... I, got, I promised I was going to be nicer in the New Year, so let me back up. If more people that say they're following Jesus, would spend time reading what he's already said, there would be some clarity on what they're trying to hear him say right now. And what he's already said is the Bible. And I mean, I just think that if you're in a place of not doing so good and you're reading of the word, I can guarantee you that that's something that you should probably commit to do in 2019, just off the bat. Um, I, I just made a commitment in... 2018, which is only a few days ago, that uh, I was going to read the Bible cover to cover. And it's the first time I've ever done that. I know I've read bits and fragments, and I won't say it's the only time I've read the whole thing. I've probably read the whole thing before, but I'd never sat down and just read it from cover to cover. And this is how I am, and my wife gave me a, a word, and it was probably for me because... When she gave it, she said, this might be for you or it could be for everybody. But she gave me this word during worship and it said, you know, anybody can start things. But what's really important is how you finish things. And, you know, with me, I kind of have this habit of when I'm going to start something, I get really extreme about it. And I'm not very good in the follow through in regards to doing it for a long time. Okay, if you, if you work with me or you've been around me at all, you know this about me. So I decided that I was going to read the Bible cover to cover. So of course I picked the most extreme way to do it and I find this plan on you version that's reading the Bible cover to cover in 90 days. (laughs) So that's what I do. And I remember like one of the first person I told was my best friend, Austin. So I told him and I'm not gonna pick on you this time. I promise, buddy. He's ducking back there. I'm not gonna pick on him. But I could tell when I took is I do this. I'm extreme when it comes to stuff like this. Like I've decided that I'm going to do this particular diet or I've decided that I'm going to do this particular thing. And you can tell by the way I look that I don't do so good with the diet either. But the thing that happened was like with this reading plan, I was like, I'm going to commit to this. I'm going to do it. And there's been a lot of things especially that I've told my wife and that I've told Austin that I said, you know what, I'm just gonna commit every day. I've, I've been going to the gym for a whole week in the morning and it's been early in the morning because I'm gonna get up early and I'm gonna be disciplined and I'll come and tell anybody that meets me that week, I will tell you about how awesome discipline is and getting up early and starting your day at the gym. You come talk to me two weeks later and yeah, that's, that, I was deceived during that week. The, <laughs> The devil was really, he was just trying to get me into works and performance and I let go of grace and, you know, God doesn't care how I look and it just, you know, all those kinds of things. But so I have this tendency to start stuff and if I do it, it's extreme, but it's in short bursts. But there's not a lot of time, this sustainability to the things that I do. Anybody else like me? I'm sorry. We're praying for you right now. In Jesus' name. Deliver them, God, from whatever's wrong with me. But... I committed to this 90 day plan and and I told told my wife I was gonna do it and then I told Austin I was gonna do it and I pretend to ask Austin for accountability so I feel better about accountability but I really don't like accountability if I'm honest with you because it's annoying when people hold you accountable and especially when you've decided you're not gonna do something anymore and they keep asking you about it and you wanna tell them when I've decided to not do it how many times you ask me is not gonna make me do it. Because I've already decided not to do that. But you still play along. Well, I'm struggling and, you know, I'm going to get there and you do that kind of thing. So when I told him about this, I didn't necessarily, I don't think I asked you for accountability this time. I just told him, I said, I'm going to do this. Oh, no, I did. I said, I want you to check in with me just every now and then. Because if you ask God to hold you accountable, he will hold you accountable. So don't ask him that unless you really want it. So I said, I want you to, my version of accountability, just check in with me every couple of weeks and see how I'm, see how I'm doing. And he did that. And the crazy thing about it was I did it. I finished it. 90 days. Yeah, it was awesome. It was awesome. And there was something about that extreme now that just led me to a daily, a daily craving. And it's not to say that I wasn't in the word with regularity. But here's the, here's the trick of it when you do what I do for a living is you can find yourself only getting into the word so that you can teach the word. But you don't find yourself in the word to eat the word for yourself. So I'm constantly cooking meals that I'm never eating. And I'm wondering why I'm feeling the way I'm feeling. Well, because you got to eat part of what you're cooking. Are you following me? All right. So I committed to do this thing, you know, and and finish this. And and I don't even know, honestly, why I'm telling you about this now. Because it has nothing to do with what I was going to say. But I want to encourage you with this word before I get back to this to this piece here on on God's will, that I really do feel that what Serena shared with me, that that there's grounds and there's validity for that tonight in regards to anybody can start a thing. But I really do feel that there's just there's an anointing on that word for us corporately in regards to twenty nineteen. I feel the Lord would partner with us to say, Are you going to finish what you've started? Are you gonna see some things through to completion? And I feel in my heart that this idea of God's plan or God's will for our life connects to this in this way. That a lot of times there's things that we start in our lives because we felt like they were God's will. And in whatever season, in whatever setting, we either ran out of gas, we did a double take, it got hard, It actually required effort. And if we have a really good understanding of grace, we have a hard time with effort sometimes because it's not supposed to hurt if it's grace, right? Yeah, it is. God's grace is his empowerment for you to push through the pain and accomplish the thing that he's calling you to do. But I think a lot of times in regards to God's plan or God's will, there's stuff that we start that we don't see through to completion. And I really think it's not because of the task, it's because of the way that we are. See, I told you that God's will or God's plan for your life isn't about these tasks that he's wanting you to accomplish. They're not about articles of doing. It's actually about becoming a particular type of person. Because see, when you become a particular type of person, a finisher, you don't just start things, you finish them. But that doesn't happen with just particular tasks. That happens with you actually making a decision To allow the Lord to work in your heart to shape you and form you into a particular thing, into a particular being. And there's a reason why we're called human beings and not human doings is because the being is more important than the doing. Because with the incorrect doing, the being, with the incorrect beings, the doings really are of no importance at all. An example of this is 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 1 through 3. I read it to you in the ESV. It says, if I speak in the tongues of men and angels but have not love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers, I love that it says prophetic powers. Because that's the best way to think about prophetic things to really freak people out. Tell them you have prophetic powers (laughs) and you won't have any friends anymore. And understand, I just gave the extra or the introverts some ammunition there. And understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith, so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. And if I give away all that I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but I have not love, I gain nothing. Do you see how Paul is contrasting the doings from the beings? Even if you can do spiritual things, but in your heart you haven't become this thing of love that God's calling you to be. You haven't become in your heart, because I can tell you very truly that what's gonna determine what kind of 2019 that you have the singular determinant of what's going to make your 2019 good, bad, ugly, or indifferent is the condition currently of your heart. Proverbs tells us that out of our hearts flow the issues of the very course of our life, the direction of our life, the things we're engaging in, the things we're starting and not finishing, the things we're connected to, the tasks at hand, all trace they're way back to some shape and form to what's going on in our hearts. And most of the time, we're way too busy to even know what's going on there. And so we pass it over. Well, everything in here must be okay because I'm engaging in all the right motions. Everything in my heart must be good because I'm still going to church, I'm still tithing, I'm still making time for family. And what we do is, is we pass over. We don't slow down enough. And I really feel at the start of a new year, even during that worship song of pausing and taking a moment to really wait on God. Sometimes the greatest things that God wants to tell us are only really gonna happen when we have time to sit down for a conversation. But too many of us want the text from God. God, shoot me the email with your will and your plan for 2019. And when I sit down to review those at the end of the day, I'll see, how that, I'll see how that works into my schedule. Now, this thing with God is about conversation. It's about communion. It's about understanding and learning that we're in this place of union with Christ and this communion is becoming cognizant. It's becoming into a state of realization in regards to how one we are with him. And there's some things that God wants to commune with us on. There's some hearts to hearts that he wants to have with us that are going to set us into a place of getting our priorities straight in such a way that we stop trying to justify how we're existing for God based upon what we're doing. And he pulls back the veil and he really has us take a closer look at what we're being in here. A lot of times we hope that if our religious works are loud enough we can drown out all the critical voices that are inside of us. A lot of times we hope that if I do enough good externally, that'll eventually change the way that I feel about that person. And What we do is is we try to do these tasks, we try to engage in these doings that will hope somehow will change our hearts when in actuality, the only person In the entire universe that has the power to change the human heart is Jesus Christ. And the only assistance he requires on your end is surrender. The only assistance he requires to really shape and mold your heart and to get some things clean out of it is your cooperation. He doesn't really need any more religious activity from you. He doesn't really need you to prove to him how committed you are by doing this, this, and this. Sometimes the greatest thing that we can do in the quest to become what God wants us to be and to see his will released into our lives is to do what we did tonight and kneel before him and say, I've got nothing else. I'm gonna lay down my perfect attendance at church this year. I'm gonna lay down the fact that I've upped my giving by X amount every month. Not to say that I'm gonna now miss church or I'm gonna lay down my, all my perfect streaks and weeks in my Bible app. It's not to say that we stop engaging with the word, but there's something that happens, and I think a new year is the best time to do this, and that we allow ourselves to in a fresh, a new, and a real way, connect in simplicity with a God that knows our heart and knows us better than we can know ourselves and to lay everything down for a moment and really allow him to lead and guide us by the Holy Spirit into revealing what he's really desiring from us and once again God's will his plan his purpose seems like this mysterious thing seems like this thing that some days is just guesswork and I have to grope around in the dark and hope that I'm touching or I'm grabbing or I'm coming somewhere close to what God's really wanting from me. And I think that the Lord has made things a lot more simple than we want to admit. But human beings have this way of like gravitating toward complexity. We have this way of moving toward things that are super complicated because when it's super complicated, it gives us this false sense of control. Well, I'm the only one that can really figure this out. So there's no way that it can really be that simple because you see, I'm really messed up. <laughs> no way it can really be that simple what God's will and plan for my life is because I've made all these many mistakes. And I've, and, I, and I've been in disobedience here and I haven't done what I'm supposed to be here. So we automatically start putting God's will or plan or purpose in our life next to our performance instead of taking a moment to realize that this is all made possible by his character by his nature, by his goodness. And we have to come into a place of rest in the simplicity of what God's saying and really take him at his word. More often than we like to admit, we spend more time being suspicious of God than really trusting God. I love Pastor Londi came during the worship as well and she gave a word about this glass being in front of the stage here and as we sang and as we came more into a place of just resting and trusting in the Lord and him really being our all in all, the work that Jesus did really being enough, allowing ourselves to rest in that, this glass shattered. And we were able to see everything in an entirely new way. And she said, I really feel like the Lord is speaking tonight that if we'll allow ourselves to come into a place of rest in him We'll see things in ourselves, in each other, and in God we've never been able to see on our own. See, the Bible specifically talks about laboring to enter God's rest. See, all of us are laboring to enter something. Most of us spend a lot of time trying to labor to enter God's will. We spend our time trying to labor to enter God's plan or understand God's plan. We we spend our time trying to labor to enter God's good graces. Labor to enter brownie points with Jesus. Newsflash, Jesus doesn't give out brownie points. He gives grace to those that are humble enough to express their need for it. So what's this plan? What's this will? What's this purpose? If it's not, if God's will and God's plan isn't primarily all these articles of doing, And this task list of things that I'm supposed to be completing for Jesus. And all these rules that I'm supposed to be keeping for God. Then what are, what is God's will and God's plan for my life? And I feel like if you'll just allow yourself to, in simplicity, and in reality tonight, receive this, I feel like there'll be a great deal of fear and anxiety And this pressure to perform for God and perform for the people around you that'll come off of your life. Because I would like to propose this evening that God's will has more to do with you becoming a particular type of person. You being something than doing particular things. Are you following me so far? 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Paul's writing here to the church in Thessalonica. And he says this in verse 12. We ask you, brothers and sisters. I'm reading the Passion Translation here in a moment. It says brothers and sisters. The ESV just says brothers, okay? We ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Be at peace among yourselves. And we urge you, brothers and sisters, admonish the idle. Encourage the faint-hearted. Help the weak. Be patient with them all. See that no one repays anyone evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. Here it comes. Are you ready? Verse 16. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing, giving thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Let me read this to you in the Passion Translation. Listen to it. First 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16. Let joy be your continual feast. I love that. Let joy be your continual feast. Make your life a prayer. And in the midst of everything, be always giving thanks. For this is God's perfect plan for you in Christ Jesus. See, God's plan and God's will for your life is that you would become a particular type of person. What type of person? A type of person that joy is your continual feast. See, it's so obscure to say things like this because you can't even peg some kind of article of doing to figure out how to make joy your continual feast. Because there's no way to do it until you surrender to Jesus. There's no way for God's will to be accomplished in your life until you admit, I don't know how to do it without God. That's why it's God's will, not your will. He didn't call you to do your will. You do your will every day and mess it up every day. He called you to do his will. He called you to have his plan released in your life. If it's his plan, check this out. Make joy your continual feast. The scripture says that the joy of the Lord is your strength. It's not even your joy. Christians are trying to, through these articles of doing, conjure up joy on the inside of them. Well, the more religiosity I engage in, the more rule-keeping I engage in, I'll have this abounding sense of joy. No, you won't. You'll have a bad attitude. You'll feel like a failure constantly because you'll never measure up to your own idea of what holiness is. And then there'll always be somebody more holy than you are that'll make you feel less holy. Are you following me? I know this seems so simple, but I guarantee you, if you can really grab a hold of this for 2019, you want to talk about the condition of your heart. We want to talk about your surrenderedness to God. You say, well, pastor, it's been a long time since I've had any joy. Well, praise God. It's not yours anyway. You're supposed to have. Have you noticed that? It's the joy of the Lord, which is your strength. So how do I get God's joy? Check this out. I ask him for it. Yeah. Pastor I'm not feeling much joy going into twenty nineteen. Well ask God for some. But I haven't engaged in all this and this and this to be able to get it. Oh I know that's what the cross is about. That that's the blood that he paid. Your job is to now receive. Father, I receive your joy in 2019. I want to make joy my continual feast. Isn't it a great thing that when it comes to joy, God's the only one that can do the cooking? You try ever cooking your own joy, that's called happiness. That's fleeting and it's fickle and it's dependent upon your circumstances. See, you change, God doesn't. He always has joy. That's why you can always get it from him. But people try to manufacture happiness and pass it over as joy and that's why they're emotional train wrecks. You know these people. These are drama people. No drama people in 2019. Everybody say, I will not be a drama person in 2019. Praise God. Listen to this, make your life a prayer. What article, they didn't say pray, it said make your life a prayer. I love it, it's so obscure, it's so poetic. It messes up your natural mind. You can't figure it out. Because we'll immediately default to, is there a book about that? (laughs) Does Pastor Dwight have a teaching on making your life a prayer? I need the formula for that. How do I make my life a prayer? Do you know that it says that Jesus constantly lives to make intercession for you and it says paul says that he no longer lived but christ lived in him and he says in christ we live and move and have our very being so when we make a decision internally to allow our hearts to come into a place of rest and identify more with christ than our performance the result is we become a praying vessel you let me tell you this this one's free I won't charge you for this one, Jace, okay? Prayer, there's actually a place in prayer that I pray everybody gets to. I pray you all get to experience this in your life. There's a place in prayer where you actually stop praying your prayer and you start praying His. It's such a deep, beautiful place in prayer. It's actually what I really do believe in Jude, where it says to pray in the Holy Spirit. I don't personally believe that that's talking about praying in tongues. I believe that's praying in line with what the Holy Spirit, who's the testimony of Jesus, is releasing into the earth. I believe it can be praying in tongues. I just believe it's much deeper than that. And to get really technical, when you pray in tongues, it's your spirit praying, not the Holy Spirit anyway. So it says... So anyway, sorry, I wasn't being argumentative. I know that sounded like I was debating you, and you didn't even debate me. I'm not trying to be be a debater I'm just saying that praying in the Holy Spirit there's this place in prayer that it really is like Christ takes over on the inside of you because Christ lives to make intercession for the church I've been in this place of prayer before where it's just really it was almost this place to where I stopped trying to say anything and just the emotions of God's heart was coming out of me that's what deep intercessory prayer really is Make your life that way. What does that really mean? To make your life a prayer means that we live in this way that we're always the fulfillment of somebody else's. You know the only thing that's a fulfillment of somebody else's prayer is Christ, right? But you figured out that Christ is on the inside of you, right? So when I live my life as a prayer, what I end up becoming is i becoming this vessel now that Christ is able to move freely through. But there's not this manual, there's not this list of things that you do to get there. It looks more like surrendering to what God's doing. And how do you do that? By just trying it. Little moments, little places in your life, like tonight. It might look like activity, but... What it really looks like is surrender, and if you want to get really technical, surrender is an activity. Little moments, like in that song, this is the air I breathe. There's this yielding to Jesus being everything, and we come into this place of awareness with his presence. In this place of awareness with his presence, we feel his touch on our lives. We sense it. We know it deep in our being, that in this moment, Christ is communing with me. And you know, the beautiful thing about Jesus is it's impossible to be touched by him and not have him rub off on you. I'm talking spiritual tonight. At the beginning of a new year, this is so dangerous. Listen, in the midst of everything, always be giving thanks. In the midst of everything, always be giving thanks. Thanks. Listen, that's not just an activity you engage in. That's a posturing of the heart. No one is consistent to always do anything in the sense of doing it. But it is possible to allow the Holy Spirit through surrender to align our hearts into a posture of thankfulness that we don't just do, we actually live. We become thankful people, not just people that give thanks See, God's not just about you becoming a thankful person, or sorry, about giving thanks. He wants you to become a thankful person, which means thankfulness isn't just what you do. It's a part of who you are. See, God wants you to not just experience his peace. He wants you to learn what it means to live in wholeness, in his shalom, in the fullness of his peace. So whether it's not just a place you visit, it's a place that you habitate. It's a part of you. It's a part of your life. The same way that your fingernails are embedded in your skin, you just can't get God's peace out of you. See, God's leading us by his will to become a particular type of person, not just engage in particular things. And I think if we're going to see 2019 through to completion, not just start well, but finish well, we've got to ask ourselves the question, what type of person each day am I really becoming? See, every time I hang on to offense five minutes longer than I should, it's making me become a particular type of person. Every time that I entertain that thought of comparison five minutes longer than I should, it's making me become a particular type of person. Any time that I entertain envy or jealousy five minutes longer than I should, it's making me a particular type of person. And I feel like the Lord tonight would lay before us a blank canvas and say, what type of person do you want to become? What do you want to be? Not just what do you want to do. What do you want to be? See, being is consistent. Anybody can do anything. anything can, anybody can start any type of doing. The question is, at the end of your life, what you really were, not just the things that you did on occasion, but who you really were is what's gonna be left in people's minds and in people's hearts. Not just the things that we do. So my prayer for us as we enter into a new year is that we give the Lord liberty To shape us and form us, not just into people that pray, but into people that are prayerful. That God would shape us and form us, not just into people that worship, but that are worshipers. See, worshiping God is an activity we engage in. We can classify that and quantify that to what we do during the music time at church. But worshipers are people that live a particular way. Their life is a prayer. Joy is their continual feast. They're thankful for everything and in everything because they know that God's with them. they live with an abiding awareness of the nearness of God's presence. So I'll one up all the New Year's resolutions. And I won't say that it's enough in the New Year just to resolve yourself to engage in certain activity. I'd say God's not satisfied until he makes you to become the thing that he died to pay for. I pray that we allow ourselves to come into a new level of surrender in 2019. Not adopting more work for God Not adopting more religiosity to try to prove it to ourselves that we can really do it. But allow ourselves to go to him for the answer to the questions that we can't answer on our own. See, it's impossible to become a prayerful person apart from the activity of the Holy Spirit in our life. See, God's will in your life will always be something you can't do by yourself. God's plan being accomplished in your life will always be something that you can't do by yourself because, like I told you, it's His plan and His will. So we got to go to Him to be able to get it. And we have to stop with trying to produce this counterfeit that we call His plan or His will. We need the original, we need only the thing that God's able to do in us. I can make anybody pray. I can make anybody worship, but I can't make anybody prayerful and I can't make anybody a worshiper. That only happens through the activity of the Holy Spirit. How much of your heart, not just your schedule in your day? I give time to people a lot of times in my day and I'm not really there even when they're with me. Don't make the same mistake when you're time with God. You can give God time in your day, but that doesn't really mean that you're present when you're with him. I'd say instead of 2019 making this resolution that you're going to make more time for God in your day, why don't you just make a resolution to make sure every part of your heart surrendered to him. Why don't you just make a decision to really give him what he wants, which is all of you. The good, the bad, the ugly. Not just the stuff you post on Facebook, but the real stuff. All of it. God, I want your will and your plan for my life and I know that it involves every part of who I am and I can't get there by myself. And instead of me searching and laboring to find what the secret formula ingredient is to fulfill it, I choose to believe that your will has more to do with me becoming a particular type of person. So I tell you, Holy Spirit, mold me and shape me into that. Someone who's continual feast is joy. Someone whose life is a prayer. Someone who rejoices in all things. Why don't you make this room, why don't you make room this year for God to work what only He can supernaturally do in your life. I close with this. I love what one of my favorite writers A.W. Tozer said. He said, God wills to do the impossible through our lives. It's such a pity we only decide to do things we can do by ourselves. See, for me, it's not just enough to have time in my day to worship Jesus. I want to be a worshiper. It's not enough in my day just to be somebody that reads the Bible. I want my life to be a living epistle read and known by all men. It's not enough for me just to know it up here. I want the word to become flesh in my life the way it became flesh in Jesus' life. I want to become that type of person. It only happens in partnership with the Holy Spirit. So in in response, right where you're at, I know I preached to somebody tonight. I've also just made a resolution this year that I'm not really about preaching to everybody. I'm just about preaching to somebody. And if it helps somebody, then makes me not a nobody because I help somebody. Amen. <laughs> right, I'm going to cut out the poem, sorry, in the rhyming. Just in the form of a response and if you're watching on Facebook, thanks for hanging in there for this past few minutes. And just between you and God, I don't, I don't want to look and see this. This is between you and Him. But if you know that you've started to identify more with your doing and you've paid less attention to your being this past year and it's time to come back into alignment with the condition of your heart being connected to the character of Christ and you don't want your life just filled with Christian activity you want your life filled with Christ himself and you know this year for you 2019 that yeah you can make your plans but God's going to establish your steps And I want myself rooted in the things that matter this year. I don't want to be content with just praying sometimes. I want to be a prayerful person. I'm not just content with experiencing God's joy once in a while in that really anointed service. But I want to make joy my continual feast. I want to know what that's about. I don't want to just be thankful whenever that blessing manifests. I want to be a person that knows how to be patient in tribulation and give thanks in all things. Not for all things, but in all things. I want to be a thankful person. Not just somebody that knows how to give thanks. But I want to be thankful. In this moment, I ask that you just put a hand on your heart. In 2019, we start the year off right by surrendering all of our doings to Jesus so that he can do only the work that he can do. And that is to shape us into the correct being. Jesus, we know and believe in this moment that you told the disciples when you called them to follow you and you would make them to become fishers of men. Our job is to follow. Your job is to make us something. So I pray, God, that we would abandon our own self-initiative to make ourselves anything, but we would choose simply to follow you. That we would choose to stick with you in the midst of every circumstance that this new year might bring us. And we ask that as we stick with you, you would rub off on us. That we would become like you. Not through any works that our natural hands can perform or our human wills can birth into existence, but only by the supernatural power of your Holy Spirit. Jesus, you're the only one that can remove our stony heart and give us a heart of flesh. You're the only one that can breathe new life in us. So I pray today with my brothers and sisters that have assembled here this evening that we would be the clay and that you would be the potter. As clay, we can't grow arms and hands and shape ourselves, but as clay, we can firmly allow ourselves to be restful in the midst of your hands and warmed by the fire of your presence. And trust that as we keep company with you, as we look to you, as we rest in you, you are making us to become that which we cannot be and will never be on our own. Jesus, we surrender to your work this year. Let your kingdom come. And your will be done. In our lives, in our homes, in our families, in our businesses in our cities, in our state, in our nation, in our world, as it is in your heavenly realm. We're not just going to start this year off right, but we're going to finish it well in the finished work of the cross. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Man, if you got something from God, say amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord.